Well, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Teamwork A Better Way podcast. I'm Christian Napier, and I am joined by my co-host in what looks like a very lovely powder or Carolina blue, uh, Spencer Horn. Spencer, how you doing? <laughs> doing great, Christian. That was thank you for noticing. You always make me feel so, you know, so good because you you notice. And uh, good to be with you, Christian. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, I'm really excited about our podcast today. I've been in I've been in interviews and online things already for four hours today, oh, and I, I, I'm super excited to hear about our guest. But I'm curious um, if you were impacted by any of the thunderstorms that rolled through. Uh, yesterday and, and early this morning. Oh, just the whole house shook. It was like just the wind blowing like crazy. And, and uh, I don't know if that's what you felt down south, but we sure did. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, we got a little bit of it too. I wish we'd get a lot more rain and not as much wind, but that's right. Beggars can't be choosers, right? Right. <laughs> well, Spencer, I am super excited to introduce our guest today, Michael Leibowitz. Um, uh Michael was was recommended to me by a colleague, uh, and uh, I spoke with him, and he, he was he was so impressive that I hired him to do a lot of work on communication for our company, right. and we're in the middle of going through uh, a, a major uh, a major engagement with with Michael. He's fantastic. He has a tremendous experience and background in communications and specifically in behavioral neurology and understanding uh, and, and really understanding what people think and what's important to them and, and how to reach them uh, through the way that they think and operate. And so it is my great privilege to introduce everybody to Michael. And Michael, thank you so much for being on our show today. Great to have you. Thank you, Christian. It's a pleasure to be here. So good to have you, Michael. And, you know, I've had the chance to, to talk with you a little bit today. And today's topic absolutely intrigues me, you know, the, the neurology behind effective company culture and teams. And we work with so many teams. And that's really the theme of, of this of this podcast. And so hopefully right. we have several people that have registered. We, we encourage you as you listen to ask questions of, of Michael and us and we'll get your we'll work those in as as we can. But I'd love for you to just frame this this topic a little bit. And, and one of the things that that you mentioned is some teams are able to, you know, click together and and create that sense yeah. of belonging, and others really struggle with that. And just in my experience in working with teams, Michael, I really see like ten percent and less that are able to mm -hmm. click at that level that you're talking about in terms of high performance and, and having a sense of purpose. And really, so I'd love to, to hear yeah. your experience with that. Yeah, thank you so much. So like you say, it's all about belonging. Uh, belonging is here, I'm already gonna go into the uh, neurology nerd stuff. Belonging is what's known as a baseline state. There's only, there's only a few of them for all human beings, belonging being one of them. And we, we absolutely need belonging to survive. It's one of the things that our brains look for to make sure that we stay alive, to tell you the truth. Uh, we are very social animals. And it's not just social as in like, hey, we're in the same room together. It's when we feel that we belong together is when teams and especially cultures start clicking. They start gelling together. And the key to belonging is really when the brain recognizes we are like kind, you and I. 
And when a team works together is when they recognize, hey, we're like kind, we share a same belief system. And that's really the key to the whole thing is understanding belief systems. Uh, and when we have that, I mean, I, I know I'm talking very generalities and as we talk, we'll probably get more and more specific, but that's the key there is create belonging through a shared belief system. Is, is that Michael, that shared belonging, create that, that sense of protection of the community that you're talking about, that, that need to be part of a, a community just to, to have that safety net that yeah. allows us then to, to have our brains function at a higher level in, in so many other ways? <laughs> yeah, it really, you hit the, the right keyword. It is about safety. There's uh, a part of our brain, and it's not a specific part, it's more of a metaphor, right? Because a lot of people talk about the amygdala and how the amygdala does this and that and the other thing, but, but you know what? The amygdala is connected to every other part of the brain. Right? Right. The whole thing communicates together. So, so there might be one area of the brain that lights up, but really it's the whole brain that's at work at any given time. So this is more of a metaphor. There's a part of the brain, I call it the critter brain, that is, it does two things and it does them extraordinarily well. So while the rest of the brain is doing every other thing that we think of as being human, this part of the brain is really only concerned with two things. Uh, it's concerned with emotions and it's concerned with survival. And of course, survival being the most important of the two, because, you know, if you're not around to tell people they were wrong, then what's the point? So um, <laughs> the way we calculate survival to this part of the brain is uh, if I'm with like kind, then I'm safe. I don't want me to die. Therefore, people like me probably don't want me to die either. Therefore, anything that is not like kind is to this part of the brain, to this function, a potential threat to survival. Now, we don't actually calculate that like, oh my gosh, you're going to kill me. It just feels bad, right? It does survival and it does emotion. So we just have this feeling about someone that just doesn't feel good. And of course, that gets kicked up to the rest of the brain that just wraps a story around that and we rationalize why we don't feel good around this person. But when we make sure, when companies create a culture and make sure that the teams are made up of people who are already signaling like kind to each other, oh gosh, the, the, this, the, this part of the brain that signals survival just calms all the way down and just squirts out the happy juice of, no, these are my people. These are the people who I can trust. Uh, I can be open with, I can enjoy my time with. I don't have to have this guard up in case, you know, like they're a threat to survival. It's just not there, that threat element. And that's how teams connect. And earlier when you said about 10% or fewer of the people connect, well, that 10% were the, not just did they discover like kind in each other on this, not a subconscious level, it's, it's a pre-conscious level. Um, but they also vibe with the belonging and the like kind belief traits of the business itself. Gosh, that Krishna, makes sense. It does. I have, I have so many yeah. thoughts going on, Christian. I don't want to monopolize. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you a second. <laughs> yeah. So, so I love this conversation. Uh, that leads me to a question. Uh, yeah. So we have a natural tendency to, coalesce around people that are like us yes uh, which um, you know some might say well how does this align or potentially conflict conflict with uh, organizations diversity inclusion initiatives right uh, 
where we're trying to bring in people from different backgrounds, different belief systems, mm-hmm. different cultures, uh, mm-hmm. different ethnicities, so on and so forth, and have them yeah. work together as a team. You know, how do you do that uh, while avoiding the negative tendencies of tribalism? Right, we just surround yeah. ourselves with with people who act and think exactly like us. And, and that's right. overarching the political divisions that we're having right now. Or oh yeah, how does that interact interact with that? It goes right along yeah. with your with your question, Christian, which is a good one. Exactly. In fact, the neurology I just uh, briefly did a highlight of is exactly why we're seeing so many <clears throat> excuse me political divisions right now. But to get to your specific question, Christian, how do we create an atmosphere of like kind without going like everyone is the exact same? And how does this interrelate uh, with uh, diversity and people from different backgrounds? The like kind I'm talking about is it just has to be even just one shared belief is enough. And when I work with companies, what we want to find is every business has a belief that underpins the whole thing. Uh, all businesses are a reflection of the people who run them. They are literally aspects of self. So whenever someone starts a business, there was always a belief that they held, whether they understood it or not, that was the reason why they went into this business, why they started this business. When you get clear on what that belief is, you can now start to find the right people who share that belief. Now, they may come from different backgrounds. They may have other beliefs that are different than yours, but we share this one. And that's enough for the system to go, hey, you're like me right? We share this core belief. Now, let me give you an example of a core belief. That makes sense. Uh, I once worked with a young woman who started her own tax prep business, right? Uh, but her competition is H&R Block, right? And Intuit and all those other things. How are you going to compete with that? Well, when we worked together, we discovered her belief system that underpinned this business went way beyond tax prep. This is how she started it. The belief system is you have to be financially ready for whatever life throws at you. Now, that's specific language. This isn't about being financially ready for the you know, some generalized future. It's about being financially ready for whatever life throws at you, right? Like there's this, these moments in life where opportunities and disadvantages happen. You have to be ready to uh, respond to them. Now, this did wonders for the business, but now that she's hiring people, she can hire people or she is hiring people where she understands that these are the people who share that same belief that part of their belief system is yeah you have to be financially ready to take advantage of the 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 negative things that happen to you all of a sudden and the positive things that happen to you all of a sudden and she's building this team that are all aligned on this one belief and they all get together because they all know what the purpose of this business is. Now, many of them have different beliefs and a whole bunch of other things, right? And that's good. That's where the diversity comes from. And they come from all different kinds of backgrounds. But while we're at work, it contains a context. In any situation we find ourselves in, we're in a specific context. This is why we're different people at work than we are at home and so on and so forth. We're the same person, but we let different aspects of self come through. So the aspect of self that's coming through in this business and the one that's keeping this team together and making them work so well together is around this one core belief of, you know what? You got to be ready for whatever life throws at you.
Uh, you know, I don't know. My fingers aren't working this morning. I was just <laughs> <laughs> press the wrong button, Christian. And there oh, you no. go. But oh, I still uh, got it, my rock and roll uh, uh, exposition there. Yeah, <laughs> no, great, 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 great point. You know, that that I, I hear part of what you're saying is that 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 like purpose is really a higher purpose. So when someone can connect to your higher purpose, you talked about the, the, the brain releasing that happy juice. Isn't that really oxytocin? Isn't that really the, that's connecting us to. Yeah. There was a funny meme I saw the other day, not the other day. I saw this many years ago, but it showed this cartoon picture of um, serotonin and another cartoon picture of dopamine and said, these are the only two things in life you actually like. (laughs) well you know it's it's another one of those happy juices but we but when we connect with that then we we feel like we're we're making a difference and we're doing that with a community that that is like-minded and so that creates i i can only imagine just that that sense of belonging that that you were talking to and a sense of purpose that that really frees up a lot of people's energy and and passion and enthusiasm to solve the business's problems yeah. Yeah. They want to be part of something. Human beings love to be part of something. This is, this is now part of the, like, so then that metaphor, you got the critter brain that does the two things, uh, survival and emotions. Then you have generally speaking what I call uh, the human brain, which does pretty much everything else. Well, part of that, that human brain is all social dynamic. Um, and so that we're all moving toward a common goal is uh related to social dynamics what we're doing uh finding that purpose uh and meaning in life and as far as we know human beings are the only creatures on the planet (laughs) that have that need to live life with a sense of purpose but my my question for you michael is is uh you mentioned that most uh business owners uh or leaders of companies you know uh, the the company is basically shaped in their image, and they they have this core belief. Yeah. But I'm curious in your experience uh, with with working with business leaders, you know, what percentage of them have actually found this core belief and been able to communicate that effectively uh, with their team members? I can just speak from my personal experience. I don't think I did a very good job of that. I suspect that this is a problem that's quite common. Uh, in in the corporate world or even broader in organizations generally where where perhaps the business leader has not been able to effectively articulate or maybe in some cases even understand what that core belief is and as a result their team is confused so how do they go about finding out discovering for themselves this is the this is the core belief around which we can all find this commonality? Excellent question. Um, Very, very few in my experience, uh, CEOs, leaders, founders, the people I work with, uh, understand this level of, or this aspect of their business that is core to what the business is all about and, and and the thing that they're creating. We have a sense of it, but because these things, these belief systems, lie sort of outside of conscious awareness on a daily basis. We're just not fully aware to bring them to the fore and to talk about them explicitly. So um, the 
the one question that is the big unlock is to ask this specific question. What's important to you about the work you are doing or what this company does? And the word you is doing a lot of heavy lifting here. This is about you, the business owner, not about your audience. You're going to be tempted to say, well, I want to help them do X, Y, and Z. Like, fantastic. And that's a great thing to want to do as a business owner to help your customers. But this is about you. This is your belief. What's important to you about doing the work that this business is doing? And there's many layers to that. It's like peeling an onion. And that's my job is to get to, to listen to specific language and go, wait a second, do you mean this or that or and, and find the way down to the core belief? But that's the opening gate. What's important to you about the work that you're doing here? So, Michael, in addition to getting very clear about this purpose that we're talking about, what else can leaders do to really free up the best in people, to take advantage of this, this yeah. neurology as you, you call it? So in addition to, to a, you know, a clear purpose, there's, there's more. I mean, you, you talked about team culture. You talk about mm-hmm. hiring people. What are some of the other strategies that, that, you, uh, that you focus on in helping one thing that I think business leaders can do that's very much related to the theme of what we're talking about, which is uh, uh, culture and, and teamwork, is many businesses have, or at least they should have, thought about their ideal customer avatar, right? Maybe they hired a marketing company or a branding agency and they said, let's do some work on your uh, customer avatar. Unfortunately, most of those avatars are very superficial. Uh, I, when I was working corporate many, many years ago, we'd get these briefs about a new product and would always have the customer like description. And I kid you not, every single one of them was a woman between the age of 25 to 55, busy mom, whatever. Apparently this woman, this idealized woman is propping up the entire world economy, (laughs) right? Well, it can't be just that one person. They're very superficial. They're very demographic based. But I would encourage everyone to look at their customer avatar and ask this kind of question. Um, How would this person describe themselves? What kind of a person would they describe themselves to be? And the kind of information you're looking for is, are they open-minded, right? Are they adventurous? Are they, uh, um, you know, detail-oriented? Things like that. And once you figure out like maybe five of those, then you focus on each one. It's like, in what ways are they open-minded? What is the, how does that manifest for this specific kind of person, right? Once you have those five, what you have are what I call the belonging traits of your business. What I just gave you is like kind of like the the uh, uh, Cliff Notes version of how to get there. The the way you get there that has real like mm, purpose and meaning and gets to the real answer is to go through the beliefs. And I usually guide my clients through that whole process. But you want to get to this territory of what are the belonging traits. For instance, the belonging traits of my business are first and foremost uh, someone who loves to learn new things. 
I don't mean casually like learn through new things. I mean, they're actually seeking out something new to learn that they didn't know before. They're very curious in that way. Number two, they have a high degree of empathy, right? They are what I call intellectually curious. That is to say, they can take two separate, two different ideas and combine them to make a new idea, right? And number four, they are driven to succeed without being, and okay, this is my language here, without being super neurotic about the whole thing, right? So not quite aggro type A, but not really type B either. This driven to succeed, but with some sort of perspective about it. Not only does that describe every single one of my clients who have ever said yes to me, it also tells me what traits to look for in the people I hire. You want to hire the people that share the belonging traits of the business. And when you hire for those people, and there's ways to craft questions to, that will reveal these answers. But when you get those people, you will automatically be building a fantastic company culture around those principles. And they, these teams will naturally gel together because they all, you brought them together and they share these core elements of who they are, who, their identity, really. And then you just set them to work. So super cool. And I, and I just see, you know, I, I see Christian as he said, I'm one of your clients. I, he, he's all yeah. those things that you described, which is, which is perfect. My question yeah. to you though, is as you find people that, that really match that, that avatar based on those, those beliefs that, that you've identified, which I think is brilliant. Um, how does then diversity of, of personality and, and, and skill set? how does that, uh, how does that factor in? And uh, can you have that diversity and still have uh, beliefs aligned? Oh, absolutely. My, my, my sense is yes. I just want to hear yeah. what your experience no, no, is. Absolutely. I mean, with a the hiring brief, I guess, the like this is who we're looking for. Um, uh, when you go out there with either your hiring recruiter or you're, you're posting a job listing, you're going to you're going to want to make sure you use descriptions that align with your belonging traits and of course the core belief of the business and the people who see themselves as that per as that person are going to apply and of course you're going to get everyone else like hey screw it i'm going to just try anyway i need a job uh within that pool when you recognize this person pretty much any other trait they have any other uh, personality or, uh, uh, or trait or point of view, that's where you want to have the diversity, right? As long as they meet these five belonging traits and never trust me, everyone has more than five. <laughs> you want at least these five, right? They, Cause you know, they're going to align. Um, that's when you want to go like, okay, now how aside from these five or four or whatever we come up with, how are they going to add to the team from their unique perspective? And that's how you find the diversity in your, in your team. All right. I've got a question if Spencer's not going to hit a button and, uh, and, and, uh, <laughs> I'm just getting we'll beat go, up today. Here we'll goes my question. Uh, <clears throat> so in today's context, mm -hmm. we hear these terms thrown around like great resignation, Yes. People, uh, organizations are having a very, very difficult time attracting mm -hmm. and retaining talent. It's yes. probably, you know, from a human capital perspective, this is probably the number one issue that organizations are facing now. So it sounds yeah. to me like finding these and clearly articulating these belonging traits is absolutely essential yeah. 
to attract and retain talent. I'm just curious if you've seen, you know, if, if you've seen changes in the trends over the last couple of years with COVID and this great resignation uh, and um, what you're seeing your clients um, do to, to make sure that they can attract and retain their talent. Yeah, there is, there is a new term. Uh, well, it's not really a new term. It's just a, a term that is starting to get a lot of traction and get a lot of exposure. It's called employer branding. When most people think of branding, they think of attracting a customer. Well, this is flipping that on its head. How do we brand the company that attracts better employees? And I absolutely love that this term, this attention is being focused on now. In fact, I met a, a woman uh, a few months ago who had just been hired by, uh, I think it was DoorDash, to direct their employer uh, branding efforts. So there are starting to be, what the change I'm seeing is HR departments are, or whatever department is doing, has been tasked with doing the hiring, are adopting either outsourced or, or onboarding people who are in charge of how do we present ourselves so that we are attracting better quality, better fit is probably the, the chief among those two, better, not just quality, but fit people to apply to us um, so that when we do pick someone, we're getting the best available uh, person to come work with us and not just a whole pool of applicants that are like, geez, now how do we select someone? Because when you select based on skills, yeah, you get the skill, but do they work with the company? Do they gel? And earlier you mentioned the great resignation. The data is starting to show that, yes, yeah, some of that is about salary, right? Like, mm, you know what? Salary here is not so great and I'm being treated poorly. Well, salary is a function of belonging. Do I feel valued here, right? It's not necessarily a function of, hey, I'm just going to go get some more money. <laughs> Maybe that's part of it. But really the great resignation, by and large, uh, or the, re the great reassessment is once COVID hit, it, it reset the game settings, if you will, right? It reset everyone's routine. And suddenly we were all en masse discovering a different way of living that was different from what we've been doing for the years or possibly even decades before that. And because it lasted so long, if it was just a couple of months, then we would have gone right back to our routine. But no, it lasted a couple of years. And it caused everyone to notice, hey, wait a second. My life feels different now. I kind of like the way this feels. Let me reassess what I'm doing with my life. So now people are really much more in tune with, I don't just want to work for a company for money. I want to work for a company for money where I feel valued, where I feel like I belong, where I feel like I'm contributing and moving towards something bigger than myself. And that's the big shift that's going on. And companies are going to have to get a lot better, big or small, in communicating, this is who we are, this is the culture we are building. And this is how you are going to belong here. And 
many other studies, and I can't point to the actual study because I don't have it in front of me, but I know uh, from people who are much deeper into the field of HR and uh, uh, employee retention, they're all telling me the same thing. And that is the people who work for companies where they feel they are valued and they feel that they belong are not moving anywhere. Even if they can get more pay somewhere else, they're just not moving. That's the value of this territory. Great, great information. Um, Michael, so if you can, I think you've done a great job in, in setting up the really how we, we get clear about what our beliefs uh, are and, and attracting people that are aligned with those and then communicating uh, that you're important to the organization. I would like to hear from you. How, how else can, can managers, so once we've set this up, we, we, we've created the framework or we've now shifted to and, and, and clarified our position. So we're, we're recovering from our previous sins of not doing this, right? Whatever right. situation that we're in. How do managers just beyond communicating? Yeah. How can they create that sense of belonging and that you're making a difference? And what are the things that demonstrate that in, in your experience? Great question. Um, did a, a post on uh, LinkedIn a few weeks ago about uh, something that's related to this. Like, hey, let's go back to some nerdy neurology here. Um, we, here's how the whole system works. We have an idea in our head of what we want to communicate. And then we think that we say the words that communicate it and the other person hears it, right? What's actually going on is an internal game of telephone. If you remember that game where one kid whispers a phrase to the next kid and down the line and the last kid gets it all wrong, right? Something, get lost, something got lost there. Here's what's happening in the brain. We think of what we want to or what we intend to communicate. In about a fraction of a second, that gets filtered through our own beliefs and then the meanings that those beliefs hold for us that determines the kind of language we use to express it. And then the listener reverses that process. They hear what you say, that gets filtered through their beliefs and their meanings about their beliefs. And that's the message they heard. That's why when leaders say something and it doesn't get, they wonder like, how did the, how did the message not get through? Well, this is what's going on. It's not really your fault. It's just how humans are designed to work. But notice the common denominator there is the belief and the meaning. And a very tactical piece that, that managers and leaders can use is to give context to the thing that they are talking about. And here's what I mean by context in this case. There was a study done back before the internet was a thing. And so there's no, again, I can't point you to a URL, but there was a university that did a, did a social sciences experiment. Uh, this goes back in the eighties when there were like uh, automatic teller machines and there were actually lines of five, six, seven people long to get money from the teller machine at the bank, right? Um, they said to their students, they split their group in two, this half, Go up to someone towards the front of the line, but not quite at the front and ask them if you can cut in, cut in line ahead of them and see what response you get. And of course, they revealed like 80% of the time everyone said no. 20% people are like, yeah, fine, whatever. 
The other group, they said, say the same thing. Hey, can I cut in front of you? And this time add the word because, and then say anything you want. Make it ridiculous, make it heartfelt, whatever, switch it up. And what they found was about 60 to 70% of people said yes, right? Or to put it the other way, they got it like a, only one third rejected the, that request, right? So it went from 20% saying yes to just, hey, can I cut in front of you to about 60 or so percent saying you can cut in front of me. And the reason was because of that because, and the because added context. Some of the becauses were just like, because I'm in a hurry, right? Or because uh, I have to get uh, my kid to the dentist or something ridiculous, right? When people understand the context of a request, we're more likely to understand it and then say yes to it because now we've imbued that, that request with meaning. Now, it may not be profound meaning, the skies aren't opening up and the heavens parting and the, the rays of light. We just, need a, we just need context and meaning around what we're gonna do. And so my advice to uh, managers is to just add context. Just say because. I, I love I, context is important. We have uh, we have Quinn who's who's been a regular uh, a listener and also on the show says, "Isn't the ultimate mental freedom being able to be my own in my own space? That is specifically designed to maximize my happiness." So here he is talking. I think more about you talked about the the some of the changes in in how we work. Uh, you know, it, it, working from home and realizing, hey, I have some more freedom. I think that's a little bit what he's talking about there. How would you respond to that? We are all on a quest to maximize our enjoyment of life. Freedom is part of that. Um, it's tough to answer this question specifically because freedom means something different to different people. But the commenter is absolutely right. We are on a quest to maximize uh, our enjoyment of life. Now, things get really weird in the deep neurology. Uh, so for those of, uh, and I want, uh, we don't have time to go into that, how sometimes there are certain neurologies where enjoyment of life means staying in a place of pain. And it's really unfortunately unfortunate how that happens. But generally speaking, we are all seeking for the most positive experience available. Um, now, how can cultures and workplaces foster that so that people want to come to into the office or participate in this work? Um, generally speaking, what makes us feel good, especially in collaborative environments, which is what work is, is everything that we've discovered or we've talked about before. We just want to know that we belong. Uh, anecdotally, back in ancient times of tribal humans, there's evidence of this, that the highest punishment the tribe could deliver to someone who broke the rules, and what are the rules? They're just rules of belonging, right? All rules of society are literally rules of belonging. Here's how we, uh, the, the highest punishment was not to put someone to death. It was banishment. You are no longer one of us. Because if you died, at least you died as part of the tribe. But to be told you are no longer one of us is not a survivable state for human beings. 
You can go to the most isolated hermit on the hillside and say, what is the community to which you belong? And they will say, I belong to the community of hermits. I've never met any of them, but I know we exist. And I belong to that community. We will actually make up <laughs> belonging, right? Uh, that's all we want. And so how do we maximize uh, our enjoyment of life? We, we find the places where we belong. We could talk about this for hours, Michael, um, but we're up against it. Uh, if people want to learn more, oh, I guess I should say, Spencer, do you have a final question for Michael before we conclude? You know, I, I, I have lots and, uh, and, and we could go on forever. And I think we would uh, uh, be justified in, in you know, extending the, this. But I would just say it, before you leave, Michael, Communication is something that the most recent Harvard Business Review article, uh, you know, just talking about the, the social skills is right. what companies are looking for. It's so much more than they ever have in the past versus the technical skills because of the ability to tell the story that you've talked about and give context and meaning. I think one of the things that, that, that you stated that I heard is, is that share information so part of helping that ongoing sense of belonging is, hey, here's our, our, our initial mission and vision, and here's how we're doing. And so that yeah. also means you have to be vulnerable, right? That means you also have to say, hey, here's how we're doing well. And, you know, I, I guess, was it Patagonia that on their own website are saying, hey, here's where we're falling short on sustainability. We haven't found a solution, but we're working on it. So yeah. they're, they're telling the story and at the same time being vulnerable. And so Absolutely. I think that is a, a skill that, 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 that CEOs have to have yeah. instead of saying, hey, we've got all the answers. We've, this is the direction we're going. Follow us. And that's what I got out of what you said. And so that's really my last thought, Christian. When we feel like, when that critter brain notices that we're not going to die here amongst these people, we are much more open to being vulnerable about here's what's really going on. Now, how does that, in that example, Patagonia, here's where we're falling short with our sustainability goals. To motivate the uh, uh, employees, the people who are responsible for finding the solution, what Patagonia and what companies need to add is, and here's why this matters to us. Make sure you, this is the meaning piece, right? Because we are meaning making machines. Let people know this is the because. Here's why it matters. People will be motivated to uh, align and, and work on why something matters more than anything else. Well, uh, again, Michael, I really appreciate you coming on and, and uh, joining us today and, and sharing uh, the very tippy top tip of the iceberg uh, when it comes to Yeah, we've just barely, barely scratched the surface. So if people want to learn more about the work that you're doing with organizations to help them find their core beliefs, to help them uh, find this, this uh, place of belonging, what's the best way for them? to reach out to you? I'm very active on LinkedIn. So they can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, it's Michael Leibowitz. You'll find the image of me with the little hat and I'm sort of uh, holding onto the hat there. So it's easy to find my picture. Um, and uh, another way to find me is at my website, which is mindmagnetizer.com. Uh, so you can learn a bunch there. Uh, on the website, actually, if you want to just reach out to me directly, in the upper right, you can just click uh, on a link there and get on my schedule to have a conversation. All right, fantastic, Michael. Thank you so much. 
Uh, and I encourage everybody to go look him up on LinkedIn or go to his website and click on that link because uh, Michael does a fascinating job of peeling the onion back. I'm, I'm evidence of that and I can attest to it. Spencer, you do so many uh, awesome things with teams and leadership and, and helping uh, leaders uh, really build high-performing teams. What's the best way for people who are interested in learning more about how they can improve their team performance? What's the best way for, for people to reach out to you? Thank you, Christian. And uh, also LinkedIn and our website, Spencer Horn. You can find me on LinkedIn and some of you are, are watching now, which we're grateful for. And then Altium Leadership, A-L-T-I-U-M Leadership.com. And I just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm impressed, uh, Michael, with the, with the work you're doing with, with Christian. And Thank I just you. see the organization really blossoming. You know, Raconto is something that I feel like is such an up-and-coming uh, great yeah. tool and service for businesses to actually help find purpose and meaning in their businesses. And so, Christian, why don't you, how do people find out about what you're doing there? Well, thank you, Spencer. Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn as well. Uh, you can look me up, Christian Napier, uh, on LinkedIn or our company, Raconto, R-A-K-O-N-T-O, uh, Raconto Inc. on LinkedIn. Or you can go to our website, Raconto, R-A-K-O-N-T-O dot I-O. All right, Michael, Spencer, uh, it's been a very, very educational and inspiring uh, 42 minutes. So thank you so much for the time. <laughs> Listeners, thank you for joining us and please like and subscribe to our podcast. We'll catch you again soon. Thank you.